This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, April 28, 2023. And you know, the stock market has behaved pretty well this week. You know, this month has actually been a pretty decent month. I think it's, uh, you know, surprising, but, you know, it only has happened in the last few days. But earnings have been pretty impressive for the first quarter. So we have kind of a mixed signal going on for us uh, as to what the economy is doing. But I think that's going to continue uh, because Federal Reserve is going to be raising rates. Just not a lot. But I think they're, I think people are coming to the conclusion that maybe they're getting close to the end of the rate raising activity. Um, and therefore, maybe the market and the economy is not that bad. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to take a wait and see. We're just going to have because things change. Things change pretty fast. I'm going to go over some of the numbers been reported this week just to give you an idea. But the business cycle, the economic cycle, and the uh, stock market cycle, you know, we're, we're in a, a down phase for the stock market cycle. And usually the stock market's down phase uh, is is predictive of a down cycle economy phase, which we haven't seen yet. It hasn't really happened yet. I will say this, economy has done definitely slowed down because the, we had first quarter GDP numbers reported. And it certainly, and I'll go over it later, but certainly it did tell us it did slow down. I'm Steve Peets. I'm here today on this radio program and in podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy decisions. And that's what we do here on Invest Talk Every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time, we're live. Okay. Of course, you can download the podcast, listen to it anytime you want, but we're live during that period, and you can call and ask, get on air live and ask your questions. If you don't want to do that, you can call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave your questions on our uh, listener line, and we will get to your questions, I promise. One of the things we do here on Invest Talk is we give you unbiased answers. We give you answers. But we don't have a, a point of view that we need to push or we're trying to sell. We don't have that. We want, we want to provide you with the best information we can. And it's difficult because in the format we are, we have to give you quick answers. And we do have a bunch of data and, and, and economic information in front of us on our screens. But we can't do very much in-depth research. We can't. Not on, not on the air. So just realize that. You have to do some of your own homework. We'll give you the basic information and what we think, but we don't have any hidden agendas. We don't have anything we're trying to push. Okay? And today's environment, investing environment, you know, is very different from the past, you know, two, three decades because we're dealing with rising interest rates instead of falling interest rates. Did you notice that last month the interest rates fell and housing improved dramatically? Now they're moving back up, and you know I'm sure that's going to slow it back down. So we can learn a lot from each other, and you can provide me with information you know 
It's okay. I love the information my listeners have. So don't hesitate to give me information that you want to share. I'm okay with that. I like it. So, but most of the time you call and you ask about a stock, and we answer the questions about that stock. But you can ask about 401ks, investing in general, strategies, anything financial we'll talk about. Insurance. I have a pretty decent background in insurance. So we'll talk about any of those things. Okay. My focus point today is going to be is going to be about how to make the decision whether to rent or buy a house. In the current real estate market, a typical renter pays about 40% less per month than a first-time home buyer. So, should you rent or buy? I can tell you what my opinion is because I like investing. Renting to me, you're just throwing away a lot of money. But if you buy, at least you're getting you're buying an asset. Okay, that might, if you buy it right and you buy a good location, will increase in value. I like that a lot. Time permitting, I'm also going to talk about some economic numbers that came out this week. Durable goods was uh, was important. Uh, I always like the durable goods report. Uh, new home sales, uh, GDP core Q1, the PCE core inflation rate. Talk about that. Now, you know, I can give you other inflation numbers, but the PCE core is what the Fed looks at pretty closely. So we'll go over those numbers. Also, could the bond market be giving us a wrong signal about the economy? Usually when uh, interest rates rise and the bond market starts to deteriorate, which we've seen all last year and part of this year, that means the economy is going down the tubes in some way, shape, or form. We haven't seen that, though. And Charlie Munger says, despite the S&P falling 19% in 2022, stocks are not cheap. And that's why there's, that's why Berkshire Hathaway, remember, Charlie Munger, is, Charlie Munger is Warren Buffett's partner. That's why Berkshire Hathaway is sitting on $85 billion. They're not investing. They don't think it's cheap enough. Even though the S&P fell down 20%. Wow. So we'll talk about each one of those things. But first, let's go ahead and go to our first uh, caller on Invest Talk. Hi, Steve. Justin. Dave from Ohio. Let me just get your opinion on uh, U.S. Bank Corp. U.S.B. It's a um, $50 billion market cap. Pays almost a 6% dividend. Is this a good time to get in with all the stuff going on with the banks and so forth? Be waiting for your answer. Thank you. Okay, I like uh, big banks, everybody, because of safety. But, you know, we've had a couple of big banks go under, so it's not the safest thing in the world. But I do like big banks. This is a holding company for a U.S. bank operating through 2,230 branches in the Midwest and uh, Western states. Okay, it's going to re- uh, it's going to redeem... Oh, about 3% uh, of its notes outstanding. They're going to make money. They've made money for many years. Uh, They're going to make $4.84 a share. That's the estimate for next year. This year, $4.66, which is up 7% from last year. And it's a $34 stock. So it's sub 10 PE. It's right around 7-ish. On their P&S, their low of the five-year range, return equity is 13%. Uh, they have debt, like most banks have debt, but their debt is not as high as other banks. 
uh, mutual funds are buying this bank, and the first quarter this year, sales were up 63%, pay a 5.6% dividend. And, of course, they got beat up with the banking crisis. Um, I don't know if we're done with the banking issues. I don't think we are. And there's a lot of volume in this bank when it was falling. So it was falling on higher and higher volume, trading volume of the stock. And that always worries me a little bit. I think that it might have hit a bottom here. Um, you might want to wait a little bit, a little bit longer to make sure. Uh, it's going to go, well, it already went X dividend on March 30th, so you're not going to get a, a dividend anytime real soon. Uh, it's a good, solid bank, everybody. It really is a good, solid bank. Um, I'm, just, I'm just very cautious about banks right now. Very, very cautious. And I think you should be too. Okay? 888 chart. We're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on Invest Talk Voice Bank. Or if you're listening live via live stream at, uh, or on AM 1220 radio in the Bay Area, you can call right now. 888 chart. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap, because there's a lot of regulatory risk. Here. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99CHART. Here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk 888 99Chart. So, what did the market do today, everybody? Well, it was up. It was a big yesterday, and it followed through with a pretty strong market today. The Dow was up 272 points, the NASDAQ up 84, and the SP up 34. Those are pretty good numbers, and but yesterday's numbers were even better. And I think it's because you know we're, the the earnings have been fairly impressive this uh, for the first quarter when everybody expected the earnings not to be okay. Everybody expecting all the experts, including myself, an uh, earnings recession, meaning this would be the second quarter in a row that earnings would be less than they were before. And you know that that's now in doubt. Maybe that's not going to happen. And we'll see. Okay, so is it better to rent or buy a house? You know, what is it? Uh, here's, you know, how do you make that decision? And, you know, this is really a personal decision. And we'll talk about that. But first, we've got a call we're going to take right now. 888-99-CHART. Let's talk to Paul in San Francisco. Hi, Paul. Hello again. Um, I want to ask about annuities. I know what they are. I don't know a lot about them. 
I hear nothing that they're bad for most people, but good for a few people. So what's the difference between a variable and a non unvariable uh, annuity? Okay. Okay. There's two basic type of annuities that you just mentioned, Paul, a variable and non-variable annuity. A, a non-variable annuity, annuity, if you remember, annuities are insurance products sold by an insurance company. But a fixed annuity or non-variable annuity, and they usually refer to it as a fixed and variable annuity. A fixed annuity is like a CD, Paul. They're going to pay you a fixed percent on the money you leave with them. 3%, 2%, 5%, a fixed percent over a number of years, okay? That's a fixed annuity. A variable annuity is annuity in which you pick usually, almost always, mutual funds. You pick them, and they give you a handful to pick from, and they, they are variable because, you know, you can have returns or not returns on the annuities, on the uh, mutual funds you pick, so that's the difference. One's fixed rate of return. The other one is variable rate of return or no return, pending. Okay? Annuities. I'm not keen on annuities because they lock you in. That's what I really don't like about it. And they sell them to older people. And older people, like myself, we may need our money. And I don't want to be locked in for 10 years. What if I need it eight years from now? What if I need to take some money? And, of course, now they allow you to take up to 10% some of the annuities a year to address this issue that people don't like, you know, that they can't take their money out without a stiff penalty. So thanks for the call. It was a good call. Thanks, Paul. Let's go to Subir in San Jose. Hi, Subir. Hi, Steve. Uh, I have a question about uh, a stock that I, bank stock that I own. Okay. It's uh, called First Republic Bank. The ticker symbol is FRC. Okay. Just want to know, uh, is it going to go? Uh, it, I heard that this is going to take over by uh, Federal Reserve. So just wondering, uh, what is the state of this stock? Okay, it's really not a bank stock. It's a REIT, a real estate. Oh, FRC. Okay, wrong, wrong, yeah, I'm wrong. Okay. I had SRC. Okay, First Republic Bank. Yeah, it is a bank. I'm sorry. Holding company for the First Republic Bank operating via 82 offices in California, Oregon, and Massachusetts, Florida, and New York. Hmm. Uh, it's a very small bank, $642 million, and I would stay away from it because of how small it is, and it's going to lose money this year and next year. Okay, Uh it's going to lose 56 cents a share this year after making lots of money in the years before. I mean, in 2022, they made $8.25. Huge, huge compared to the stock price of 351. But now they're going to lose 56 cents a share this year and they're going to double that next year, $1.08. So even though sales are growing, they're losing money and it's a very small bank, even though, and it looks like it's cheap. Because you're ba- a lot of people are basing that PE on last year's earnings, and you know, so what? That's not what you bet. You invest looking forward, not backward. I would stay away from it. It's too small, six hundred forty-two million, and we could easily, it can easily go under. I would stay away from it. We'll be we're going to take a break, everybody. I am here, ready, and inviting your questions. And it's Friday. The weekend is almost among us here, and I love weekends. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart.
Justin Klein and Steve Beasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. Call Investar, 888-99-CHART. So again, is it wiser to rent or buy where you live? Do you rent your properties or do you buy it? What's smarter? What's a better use of your money? Well, of course, from the top of my head, I'm going to tell you to buy because I want you to build assets. And you can't certainly can't build an asset to rent. But buying, it costs you about 41% on average higher per month than being a first-time home buyer. Remember, you got other, you got interest rates you got to pay. You got to pay property tax. You got to pay uh, home insurance, stuff that homeowners insurance, stuff that costs and that you don't necessarily have to buy, pay for when you rent. So it's always a difficult decision because it's going to take more of your disposable income. Now, the, the, the there are some rule of thumbs when you're buying a property. You shouldn't spend between more than 30 to 40, maybe 42, 43% of your monthly income on your mortgage and life and property insurance, property uh, taxes. 35 to 40 or so percent of your monthly income in mortgage and property tax. Okay, if it gets above that, you're probably buying too much of a house. You're gonna have a you're gonna have constant struggle. It's already difficult, constant struggle. So it depends. And there are markets around the country where it's it's wise to buy because of the cheapness or inexpensiveness of the property, and you get a better return on your dollar. And then there's other places that have a much higher uh, appreciation rate, like here in Southern California, north, and then parts of the Northeast, Florida, Arizona, and you know there are places where property values go up pretty fast, and you get a pretty good uh, return on your invested dollar. But at the same time, those properties are expensive already, and then you need to put twenty percent down because you want to avoid the policy uh, uh, policy management insurance, which is the the PMI insurance, you don't want to pay that. That means you're putting less than 20% down, and the mortgage company requires you to buy that insurance in case you default on loan. I mean, there's all these things you got to consider. And if you're a first-time buyer, you really need to talk to not necessarily the realtor, not necessarily the mortgage company, someone who's been through the process like your parents of buying and selling a house and to, to tell you what the, uh, the benefits and the, the pitfalls might be. So... Just be careful and talk to somebody that you trust that will give you the straight answers on this, okay? And I really am a, a person that uh, I've, I've been buying houses and buying up ever since I bought my first house. And I've, I have rental pro- properties in my history, and I like those too. There's all those things that, are, that you can invest in besides the stock market, you know. People, you know, think that this is a show that Dalton talks about stocks. No, that's we answer questions about anything financial, and most people call us about stock. But I'm I like rental properties. I do. It's a very good way to diversify your 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 uh, your um, uh, net worth. I like it. Anyways, 
It is Friday, everybody, and on Fridays, I join them take time to go, you know, have a quick rundown on the key benchmark numbers that are out. The two-year treasury is 4.179%, so we'll call it a 4.2%, and the 10-year treasury is at 3.6%, okay? And both of those rose slightly in the last week, okay? And we know that, you know, and you know, two-year Treasury is paying uh, 0.64% 69 weeks ago. So a year plus and a quarter or so, 0.64, whereas the 10-year was paying 1.76%. Now the two-year is paying more than the 10-year. That's an inverted yield curve. And in history, that's always resulted in a recession, the problem you have, and I've mentioned this many times, as soon as it did invert, I mentioned it, that we just don't, it's, it's true that a recession is common when you have an inverted yield curve, but you don't know when. It doesn't like say, well, within three months, within a month, within a year. The longest it's ever taken is three years. And we've had an inverted yield curve for quite some time, year and a half. You know, so, so, you know, when is it going to happen? I can't tell you, but it always has happened in the in, in history. Okay? Gold, 19, $1,983 per ounce. $1,983. It was $1,995 a week ago. And a year ago, it was like 18, uh, 1911. Okay? Uh, and so it's gone up, but it was pretty much flat all last year. Pretty much flat. A weak dollar drives it. Uh, inflation drives it. And wars drive it. Uh, gold prices up. And we didn't see any evidence of that, really. Okay, oil, $82.23 a barrel. Uh, it was uh, about a year ago, about $113 a barrel. Okay, and before that, I mean, not even long before that, it was only $66 a barrel. So, you know, 82 is not that bad, but gasoline prices have risen quite significantly here in Southern California. I'm paying, it says on average $4.90, but here in Southern California, it's over $5 everywhere. You can't get $4.90 a gallon here. It's just not happening. We're moving into a break. Still to come, KPP Premium Newsletter. So just hang on. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments 
to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hey, Stephen Justin, and this is Art from Tucson. I'm looking at 3M company, MMM. Stock is way down over the year, past several years actually. Morningstar has it at four stars with a wide moat. Um, it has some legal battles, but it also has some proprietary research and products. Well diversified, and it's a large company. Pays a 5.75% dividend. Wondering what you think about it here, if this is a good time to pick it up, and if not, when would be, if at all, perhaps it could go lower. Love to get your assessment on it. Thank you, and I'll listen on the podcast. Bye. And you didn't mention that 3M has been increasing its dividend for the last 50, 60 years, every year. Uh, 3M, everybody. I think most people have heard of the name, know it, and probably the most famous thing they have that people buy is the little sticky tabs paper that you can, you know, that's their most famous product they have. But they have, like, thousands of products. Now, I'm, it's cheap. I like it. I I'm, I was looking at it earlier today, and I'm having a hard time not buying it because I want to buy it because it pays a 5 point. I have it at 5.6% dividend, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, a, a very low-priced stock. It's going to make $9.60 next year, and it's a $106 stock, so that means it's 11 PE, and the five-year PE range is 10 to 23. Return on equity is 38%. It's hard. Mutual funds have been selling uh, selling it slowly over the last year. Why is it so low price? And it was, a, you know, $190 a share less than a year ago. Why is it under pressure downward? Because it has one of its divisions have uh, products that they have lawsuits, okay? And the lawsuits are unknown as to the cost, how much it's going to hurt them. They're a $58 billion company. I, I kind of like it at this price. I think that the lawsuits, will they'll survive them and you know move on. Um, but, you know, that's the fear, I think. That's what's driving them downward. And so you need to really look into those lawsuits and whether or not the, how, how impactful on their business. And that's what I was trying to do today. But I do like 3M, and I think this is a good place to buy it. I mean, you don't get it this cheap very often, paying 5.6%. Remember, their dividend has gone up every every year for 50-plus years. Up. The percentage of dividends gone up. And now here you're getting 5.6% at this price. So next year the dividend goes up. If the ten, dividend goes up in the next 10 years, like it had in the last 50 years, 
you're going to make all your money back just by the dividend in what, 11, 12 years? Just for the dividend. Okay, just sitting back on the dividend. What if it goes from 100 back up to 200? Now, you've made 100% of your money plus the dividend. So your worry is the lawsuits. But, you know, that's a that's cost of doing business, isn't it? The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. So here's a little preview. The first section is called the Market Conditions Sections, and we explained that bolstered by surprisingly upbeat tech earnings, U.S. equities on Thursday broadly rose about 2%. And, of course, they were up another 1% today, as measured by the S&P 500. This widespread rally marked the second best day for U.S. stocks in 2023 and the best day since early January. Leading the charge were the blue chips like Apple, Amazon, Meta. The biggest tech winner tech winner rose 14% for the day. After Thursday large gains, the S&P is now slightly positive for the, for the month. For the month, up for the month. Regarding economic output, the economy is showing further signs of slowing. New data showed that the annualized GDP growth rate for the first quarter of the year came in at 1.1%, nearly half the expectation. They expected it to be 2% growth as one. Now, while the negative GDP surprise put pressure on the bond markets, the labor market showed some strength as a number of seekers of new unemployment benefits fell after several consecutive weeks of increases. The economy is looking pretty resilient right now. Wage growth also ticked up slightly as employers spent roughly 1.2% more on employee salaries and benefits in quarter one for this year than they did in quarter four for last year. In the wake of the uh, regional banking crisis, signs of slowing economic output, and with tightening credit markets, it appears now that a mild recession is likely in the near future. Mild. And we, ex- we expect high, heightened choppiness with the potential for more downside for the stock market. And I've told you, and I will repeat it again, I've said it many times going back in probably four or five months now, that I think the market... It's going to have struggle for the first half through the first two-thirds of this year, and it'll probably start to look better by the end of the quarter of the fourth quarter next year. I mean this year. The fourth quarter of this year will probably look pretty decent. That's my – now, that's – you know, I don't know that. My crystal ball is as fuzzy as your crystal ball. I don't – no one can predict the market. It's just my best guesstimate um, based on my experience dealing with the market for so many decades because I'm getting old. Been around a long time. And of course there's a lot more in the a lot more detail in the newsletter for you. In the stock ideas section, we highlighted a global power leader, power leader that designs, manufactures, sells diesel engines, generators, and related components. The company has a strong market position with a reputation for producing high-quality products and providing excellent customer service. The demand for diesel engines is expected to grow in the coming years due to the increasing need for reliable and efficient power sources, especially in emerging markets. So don't think... You know, we're not going to need oil anymore within the next five years, ten years. And that's not true. 
demand for oil products are going to go up. Even though, you know, clean energy, cars, all that stuff, all those EV, electric vehicles, yeah, that's going to continue growing pretty significantly. True. You know, so that's going to happen. But emerging markets, you know, they're going to be using electric vehicles, but they also got to generate power. Who's going to, you got to charge those cars with electricity, everybody. It just doesn't happen. And so we also looked at a large railroad company in North America with a network of 32,000 miles of tracks spanning 23 states. The company's dominant market position gives it a significant advantage over its competitors, allowing it to serve the wide range of customers across multiple industries. The company has a strong balance sheet with a manageable level of debt, providing the company with the financial flexibility to pursue growth opportunities and weather economic downturns. And, of course, we name names in the newsletter. You get the names of the companies and their stock symbol. So we tell you. Now, these are just recommendations. We're not telling you these are things you need to do your own research on. Uh, you, we're not telling you to buy them. We're just telling you these are companies that you can, uh, that we like, that you can do further, you know, work to determine if you like them and whether they fit in your portfolio. They may not fit in your portfolio no matter how good they are. Let's pivot back to the Investoc Voice Bank 888-99-CHART. I have a question about stock splits and general idea. Is it a good idea to purchase companies that are going into the stock splits that are already on my watch list? Because as I understand, the general trend is that stocks also often spike after the split shortly thereafter. So if I'm already interested in the stock and I've kind of been following it, looking for a good entry point, and I just want to kind of find out for the for some of the stocks, if it's a good choice, I guess, to buy them with the intent maybe of unloading them after a bump in the stock split, um, maybe keeping half and then unloading the other half. All right. Thank you for your help. Okay. Let's talk about stock splits for a second. Uh, when a stock splits, that means the price of the stock, let's say, let's take 3M, for instance. We were just looking at that. They're selling for $106 a share. The company can say, we're going to do a stock split of two for one, a two for one stock split. That means they're going to split the stock price to $53 in half and double the number of shares you own. Two for one split. So every one share you own, you're going to have now two. That's a stock split. It could be three for one. It could be four for one. It could be one and a half to one. You can do it any way they want. Now, since the price of the stock splits with the exact amount of, you know, the value of the stock, there really is no intrinsic increase in value of your holdings. That's not really, nothing's changed there. Nothing has changed. You increase a number of shares you have, but you also decrease the price per share. So nothing really has changed. Now, let's talk about the reality of a stock split. A stock split is usually considered in the industry as good news. They're, because the company's stock has risen, 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 and they want to maybe split it to make it less, make it more attractive for more people to buy. And generally, that's considered good news, and therefore the stock generally rises. Doesn't have to rise, but it generally does. That's the, you know, accepted, you know, accepted result of a stock split. But 
It's not necessarily true, but it generally seems to be true, okay? And that's why it would go up. I would not buy a stock or sell a stock because it's going to split. It, to me, that, that's meaningless as far as your research as to whether you want to own it or not. And just because it is splitting, there's no reason to buy it. Okay, you already you buy it because you want it, because it's a good solid value or growing very fast or whatever the other reasons, not because of the split. But it is considered good news, generally speaking. Now, a reverse stock split is just the opposite. Just the opposite. Okay? So I, I don't think you should trade stocks just based on the split. I don't. Like, well, I'm away, I'm away for the split, and then I'm going to sell half because it'll be higher. It might spike on me. It may not spike on you. It may. Don't know. Okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Durable goods report came in at a rise for March of 3.2%. What were they expecting? They're expecting a half a percent. And the month before, it shrank 1.2%. Now, why am I talking about durable goods? I like durable goods. Even though we're looking back from March, not looking forward, it gives you a sense of how the corporations feel. Because durable goods are those goods that are that can, will are expensive and last at least three years before you have to replace them. And if people will buy durable goods if they feel confident. Corporations will buy durable goods if they feel confident. And if they're confident, that means that the economy probably is going to do pretty well. That's why I like the Durable Goods Report. New home sales rose also. 683,000 annualized new home sales. What were they expecting? 634. What was the month before? 623. So from 623 in February to 683 in March. Of course, that's going to help the economy, right? So that was good news, but mortgage rates are going up again. Hmm. Anyways, GDP first quarter, 1.1%. What were they expecting? 2%. What was it? The fourth quarter of last year, 2.6. That's slowing down. PCE core inflation, 4.6%. What was it the month before? 4.7. Not much change, but it did go down a tick. Let's squeeze in one more investor caller question here at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin. I was looking to see if you could give a review of Cigna. Insurance ticker CI looks like it's come down quite a bit and looks like it's still coming down. So, if you think this is a fair price or a good price, or if I should be more patient or stay away, and you know what, actually, if you guys could also just touch on insurance companies in general for um, a portion of your portfolio for like the healthcare portion of it, uh, that'd be um, useful as well. So, uh, once again, thanks guys, and I'll listen on the show. Goodbye. Well, I like insurance companies, I like uh, you know, big ones. I'm not a. I don't like tiny ones. They're not the growth engines uh, of the stock market. You know, as far as growth in them, Cigna is a big company, seventy-five billion dollars inside. This is in the medical management care, so it's an insurance company. Provides management healthcare services through HMO, PPOs, POSs, and indemnity plans to over twenty million customers. Good, solid company. Self growth is flat now, uh, but it's big. Uh, they pay. Uh, the, what I don't like about it is even after 
peaked and fell from about 330 down to 253, the yield is only 1.9% on the dividend yield. That's pretty low, especially for a big company like this. They have really solid numbers. Return on equity is 16%. Cash flow is very heavy at $22.31 a share. They do have some debt, but, you know, that's okay. Um, uh, mutual funds are buyers over the last year. Management owns 1%. Um, it's just not exciting. And, you know, this is a big, big old company. It should be paying a lot more dividends, in my opinion, instead of 1.9%. That's 2%. What the heck? Uh, that's what I don't like about it. I would wait. I think I would love to buy it when it's a lot cheaper. Maybe when it gets down to 180, 160 to 180, and that range is where I'd be a buy. I'd wait for it to go on really go on sale significantly. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, everybody, and the same goal every day, every day, all year, all the time, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And, of course, that gonna, well, our effort's going to continue right after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads... Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, uh, I'm interested to buy some shares of this stock BHP. BHP. Is it a good stock to buy for a long-term investment? Thank you so much. Bye. Okay, BHP, everybody, is an Australian company, Mining Metals Ores. That's what they do. Uh, and, um, metallurgical and energy coal, iron ore, oil, gas, manganese, um, you know, those kind of thing. They are making really good money right now, $6.75 for this year per share. Next year, six nineteen. Sales have been going down the last couple of quarters. By 16% per quarter, by the way, so pretty significantly. They're a huge company, $149 billion, and they do $13, $14 billion a quarter the last two quarters. So, and it's a $59 stock. So it's sub 10 PE, but the range is 3 to 22, and this is going to be like 8 PE. So it's not super cheap. Return on equity is 44%, dividend is 9%. Now, the dividend is not as solid as you might expect, but it's pretty solid. So I would be buying this for the dividend, and I think you need to be a little patient because it has a heck of a time giving above 70 and then falls off, and it's falling off from 70 now down to 59. I It looks like it has gone down to like the uh, mid-40s, the high-40s, and that's where it will bounce back up. It's kind of in that range. I'd wait till it hits to the bottom of that range before I buy it. And if it doesn't hit the bottom range, I just move on. I wouldn't buy it. So wait till it gets down there to the mid 40s, you know, and then take a look at it closer at that point. Okay? Wait for a better buying opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Even though it looks cheap, remember the PE in the past has been three. Well, three times $6.19 is 20 something dollars. 
right? Or not even twenty-something dollars. So you got to be careful. Okay, could the bond market be giving us a wrong signal about the economy? Remember, it's been the curve, two-year and ten-year federal you know, treasury has been inverted for now over a year, and an inverted yield curve usually on a bonds on the two-year and ten-year treasury bonds usually indicate a recession's coming. But it's been a year, and we haven't seen any recession yet. Now, in the past, it has always predated a recession. So when the yield inverts, the yield curve inverts, the two and 10-year, the yield on the two years higher than the yield on the 10-year, there always a recession followed. But it could be a few months to three years after the inversion. And we're, what, a year and a quarter down the road from this inversion or a little less than that? So who knows when it's going to happen? I can't tell you. And no one knows how deep the recession is based on this, you know, inverted curve. So my question is, is maybe we're just looking at, and it's in the newsletter this, this week, maybe we're looking at a pretty mild recession, you know, this time around. And it's possible we won't get one. That would be unusual because of the inverted yield curve. But there's other uh, indicators are kind of giving us a mixed signal as far as, you know, are we actually going to go into recession? Remember, definition of a recession. Two quarters in a row where the GDP actually shrinks. Two quarters in a row. We had that last year, but no one felt it was a recession. We did have two quarters in a row where it shrank. But didn't feel like a recession because it was very, very mild. Is that all we're going to get this cycle? I don't know. One more talking point before we call it a day. Char- Charlie Munger is a partner for uh, Warren, with Warren Buffett and uh, Berkshire Hathaway. They're sitting on $85 billion in cash. Why? Even though the market fell 19% last year, Charlie Munger says stocks are not cheap enough. We're not buying, we're not spending our money because we can't find cheap enough stocks to buy to spend the $88 billion in cash they have. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members. We really would appreciate that. It's all free, free podcast downloads. Take out all the commercials and all that stuff. So just listen to the show. You can get your from iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And please be sure to review us and give us a rating at I, if you do it on iTunes. We would appreciate that. We're at, we surpassed 52 million downloads. 52 million. That's, it surprises me <laughs> every time I read these numbers. Oh, wow. And I want to thank you, everybody, for being a part of that because you're, you're the one that does it. You drive it, not me. And, and you know, I need to remain humble. Justin and I got to stay humble. We appreciate it. You can also follow us on Invest Talk on social media, Invest Talk with two T's. Independent thing you share success. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. 
Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.